You're listening to the Fruition Podcast, the home of eBay, Amazon, and e-commerce design optimization. For more information, visit fruition.com. Hello and welcome to episode number five of the Fruition Podcast. My name's John Hayes and today I'll be continuing my conversations with inspirational entrepreneurs from across the world of e-commerce and online marketplaces. Today I'm joined by Richard Meldner, who is the co-founder of the e-commerce news and information website, eseller365.com, and has many years of experience in the online sales arena, particularly in the aftermarket auto parts industry. Welcome to the show, Richard. Hi, John. Well, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Really excited to talk about automotive stuff. It's something that's been doing for my last 20 plus years, although I'm now really mostly doing blogging stuff, but I did sell car parts for oh, 17 years. <laughs> yeah, I think you've got a lot of great um, industry insight there and also your involvement in, in the motorsports world as well. I'm, I'm kind of thinking of you now as our go-to car guy, but before we get into that, can you introduce eSeller365 to us? Yeah, it started out as sort of like a Skype conversation. <laughs> um, Basically, when I was doing the uh, uh, eBay uh, automotive parts sales, I was looking for just services uh, to use to help us uh, list better and, and you know, understand things better and maybe move into doing some direct sales with um, uh, commerce platforms. At that time, Magento was the one I was looking at. And I came across, you know, uh, somebody in the UK that was kind of had these training materials and online. And, and out of that, I met... Uh, you know, Dave Furness, who is a partner in, in this venture here with eSellers 365. And um, we kind of just sort of started talking about ideas. And one day uh, we just sort of said, okay, let's just start this this little blog. And it's, you know, I looked the other day, I think we got 4,500 articles on there now. And um, it keeps growing and uh, it's doing pretty good. Uh, we keep readjusting the focus a little bit at times. The last two years, logistics has been basically shipping has been a big conversation piece. So we uh, we talk a lot, or we bring up a lot of news and insights uh, about the United States Postal Service, but also about Royal Mail, especially the current strike situation in the UK, and then obviously a lot of eBay and Etsy conversation, and some big commerce, Shopify, and and so on and so forth. So it's a uh, it's kind of sort of blossomed and uh, kind of grown into what it is now, and it's. Actually, I'm going to probably have, end up having a meeting with Dave here uh, sooner than later about uh, what we're going to do next year, you know, and where we, what we've accomplished this year and what we want to change for next year. It's nice that he now lives in Orlando. <laughs> That's cool. Dave, Dave is, a, is an old friend of mine, and I've known Dave for many years. And yeah, he was based here in the UK and was um, yeah, quite a successful eBay e-commerce seller himself. And um, along with, with your experience, you know, you're kind of producing this content, which is, you know, great for the UK, great for the US. Now, Dave's obviously in the US uh, as well, but he's got that kind of British insight as well. So it's a, it's a truly international publication. Yeah, we, we, we try to touch on some of the important uh, things. Sometimes we, we uh, look at our traffic like, well, we spent two hours putting this together and <laughs> it wasn't worth it, you know, but that's, that's blogging, I guess, you know, it happens. And uh uh, it would be move on. But uh, yeah, it, we like to talk about what goes on in the rest of the world. And I think it's also important with 
with trade in general going global, there's interest in people wanting to know what goes on in other countries. Germany has the has, has all kinds of new regulations. The EU has new regulations that impact U.S. sellers. You know, so so being able to highlight some of that and just make people aware, I think, is good and important. I think we see that in in our analytics data. Sure. I mean, certainly there's a saying, you know, the U.S. sneezes and the U.K. catches a cold two weeks later. And, you know, we have for many years played catch up. But when we look at things like the, the German Packaging Act, and I know um, France has recently introduced something similar as well. They're taking sort of strides in the environmental um, direction. And there are so many global trends that are impacting sellers from around the world. And, you know, we have to take notice because, you know, whether they're in place in our local markets now, there's no doubt that they they will be in the future. Yeah, for sure. You know, all these government regulations around the world, they are different. You know, it's like what goes on in the EU is different from what goes on in the US and what goes on in Australia is different from what goes on in, uh, you know, in Europe or in North America. So, there's even differences between Canada and the United States, obviously. So it's, it's all of that. It makes sense. If you're going to sell globally, you need to at least keep up with some of it, you know, and, and at least know what's going on. And, and I think in that regard, marketplaces have an advantage because they can help with that. eBay's global shipping program that they're transitioning now and changing around a little bit is, uh, is, is a big part of that, you know, so you... They can help, you know, going through that a system like that. So I think that's that's uh, that's important for uh, U.S. sellers. And and frankly, sometimes you know, here in the U.S., global news may not be as of a big of a thing, you know. So people don't necessarily read newspapers or in Europe or somewhere else. So that's why we try to at least bring up some of these hints. It's like, hey, this is what's happening around the world. Yeah, sure. I mean, we just need to look at things like GDPR from a, a few years ago about how new regulations coming into place in the EU impacted on you know, sellers and software vendors globally. You know, I was working with a number of solution providers in the US at the time and, you know, they had to make the change because they needed to protect themselves and they needed to protect their clients uh, as well. So I think you, you have to have that global attitude now, even if you're that small time seller in the US or the UK or in Germany, you know, you, you've got to have that global outlook now. And that's what the Internet's about. You know, I'm sitting here in the north of England. You're sitting over there in, in Florida. But, you know, we're singing from the same hymn sheet, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So what else do you do um, apart from the eSeller 365? Um, I, I understand you're involved um, quite heavily in, in, in motorsports. Yeah, I am uh, on the road about 100 days a year. I uh, work for a um, company here called IMSA, which is the National Motorsports Association, and we run sports car races. Um, it is a, an event type of job, a weekend job. You know, it's not a full-time thing for me at all. Um, but it's a uh, it's uh, it's a fun thing that I started mm, twenty what was it twenty no, twenty two years ago professionally getting paid for doing it and uh, and before that I was doing a little bit of volunteer work here uh, in motorsports so yeah I've um and and that exposes me to car manufacturers and sort of trends and and what goes on in the in the automotive world and but it also shows you where car manufacturers are headed and what they're thinking of basically what's being done so you're you're traveling the country and you're you know following the races and you're getting paid for it as well and you're obviously a car guy with a 
passion for passion for vehicles. You're, you're living the dream. Yes, some people say that with traveling is living the dream. <laughs> Would you like to hear my uh, my airline stories? Now that'll be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I follow your airline stories on on on, on Facebook, and um, yeah, it can be it, it can be a chore. But again, you know, with the with the website as well, you know, you you've got laptop will will travel. You're the original original business nomad. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Um, it is. I will say that it is sometimes challenging because of the the long days uh, when you do these race weekends, you know, and it's great to have Dave here uh, who then knows when I'm gone. And so he can, sometimes I'll see something that might be interesting. I'll send it to him and, and then he can put it up and put it together. And, and so we complement each other from that point of view, because it really helps. Cause there are times, I mean, we've gotten to go back to the hotel, like at eight o'clock at night, you know, it's like, you're not going to sit down and come up with something great. <laughs> not after being outside for 12 hours, you know, and or standing in the rain at times, you know, whatever. So you're kind of like, uh, it, it can be a challenge, but um, it, it is, uh, I, I don't know how it is in Europe with Wi-Fi on planes, but at least with the airline I use here, mostly, I do get quite a bit of Wi-Fi uh, on most flights. So it's, so we can, I can actually have conversations via messages, or can look at up things and 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 think about stuff while flying, and come up with some ideas and put them together into an outline. So it's uh, it's it's nice to have that ability, you know. And uh, like you said, with laptops and Wi-Fi everywhere nowadays, and hotels, it's it's pretty easy, you know, to to do that. But time is, you know, available available time to do it sometimes can become a challenge. So that sure. is the downside. It's all about your know, teamwork making the dream work, isn't it? And you're know, finding a business partner that you can bounce ideas off, and yeah, that will pick up the slack when um, you're not available, and and vice versa. And I think that's a challenge a lot of smaller online sellers have. It can be quite a, an isolating business. You know, they're stuck in their business units or at home at their home office, and um, they they need somebody to bounce ideas off. So it's always good to get involved in active communities like the eBay community or like yeah, the forums on eSeller365 just to, to share insight. But it's also a great idea to you know, get out of the office now and again and spend some time with, with like-minded people as well. Absolutely. I mean, there are, if you just look on Facebook, there's so many groups. I mean, we run a Facebook group, but um, with eSeller365, um, but there are also many other groups, you know, specializing, you know, Etsy sellers or eBay sellers or people who only do thrifting, you know, which is buying stuff in thrift stores and reselling it. Um, you know, there, there are so many places that you can go and get inspirations and ideas. And I belong to quite a few of these groups just to not to post our content, but to to just kind of see what people are talking about, you know, because posting content in groups like, you know, would be it's not, you know always a problem and they you know no one wants that and i i don't do that you know i i just put a lurk you know and sometimes i may actually offer a suggestion if somebody has a question but um for the most part you know it's a way for me to just keep up with what are sellers thinking and, and it's not just listening to the bad but also seeing the good because it's easy to find negative stuff it's much harder to find positive stuff but when you see the what people are doing and how they're doing it, that's going to start realizing, you know, 
there is definitely opportunity out there. Even with eBay having been around for long, as long as it has been, there's always opportunity. There's always opportunity to start your own store. There's always opportunity to do something. And you just got to be sometimes creative about it, you know? Sure. Well, I mean, early this year, throughout this year, I've been you know, traveling up and down the UK with the eBay Business Roadshow. And, um, you know, I've met some truly inspirational sellers. You know, they have great stories. And that's one of the things I love about working in this space. You meet people with amazing stories about how they fell into this kind of business and how they grew this business. And, yeah, there were just so many great positive stories. Now you can go online and you can see a lot of negative stories. You know, we see a lot of people saying, you know, the eBay sales have fallen off a cliff and eBay is not the way it used to be when they first started. But, you know, when you go out and you meet these vibrant sellers, these people who are you know, fully enthused and fully engaged with the platform and you know, they're optimizing their listings and they're looking to optimize the, the, the product lines and you know, buy new stock in and you know, not do the same old, same old every single day. There, there is still huge opportunity on, on platforms like eBay. Absolutely. And, and, and I agree with you. And, and I do you know, see it in our, you know, Facebook uh, group and some, obviously in the other groups that I belong in where people uh, sometimes will say something, oh, this is, you know, just eBay doing this or eBay doing that to them. And, and, and the reality is, yeah, when I sold on eBay for 17 years, there were problems, there were issues, you know, that happened. But when you looked at the overall picture, if you got hung up on those issues and problems, you waste a lot of your time doing nothing. You know, and, and sometimes you just got to chalk up that every business, whether you run a, uh, you know, a sandwich shop or a uh, retail shop selling clothes, you're going to have problems. You're going to have somebody do something that's going to cost you money. And that's just the nature of the beast, as I call it. You know, the, there is businesses lose money uh, here and there. You just got to figure out, OK, why did this happen? What can we do to keep it from happening? Or is it just one of those things that was unique and you just got to move on and say, okay, I lost X amount of dollars on this sale, move on, go on to the next thing versus, you know, stewing over it. And, um, and I think I see that as one of the big problems. And, and like you said, some people are complaining, well, my sales are down. It's like, well, why are your sales down? Are you putting item specifics in there? Are you putting good pictures up? Are you putting good descriptions up? You know, are you doing things you did 20 years ago? You know, I mean, when I started listing, Early 2000s, what we put in listings then, what you would need to put in listings today is completely different. You can't, you can't do that, you know, and, and, um, and I think that applies to eBay. I think that applies to Etsy or other marketplaces. Um, um, certainly someone like Amazon who use it's slightly different because they, a lot of description information is there if you're selling a branded uh, product for which they already have an ASIN, you know, but if you sell your own products, then de you definitely have to look at what are the, you know, look at listings that show a lot of sales and what are these people doing that is different from the listings or your product pages. And, and I think that's the key element, you know, in, in, in all of that. Sure. I often think, you know, if these platforms didn't move on and they didn't change, you know, they would just, start to be gamed, you know, like the internet of old, you know, before Google came along and yeah, pretty much saved the internet from, from spam. Um, you know, they change their algorithms regularly. They keep the SEO guys on their toes um, so that people can't throw out those spam listings and those rubbish products because it, it's, 
not everyone's God-given right to be in business. Your business is hard and sometimes you've got to work um, hard at it. So it's all about reading those emails that eBay sends to you every every um, couple of months and, and making those changes and making those adjustments and not saying, you know, I've always done it this way. In fact, I always think, you know, people that say I've always done it this way, it's the most dangerous thing you can say in business. You, you have to evolve. Absolutely. And I think it doesn't matter whether you're selling online or you're selling in a mall or, or out of a retail store, you know, on the side of the road or whatever. You know, I think it's the, unless you're running a gas station. Um, you, you're, but even then, even look at gas stations, at least here in the U.S. You, over the last two years, you've seen them go from gas stations that sold maybe cigarettes and some beer and a few snacks items to now you can I can go on an app and order something at a gas station and get a sandwich just as good as, as, as some uh, other major sandwich shops, you know, and, and so they have evolved. When you look at that, businesses evolve. They evolve to try to serve customers better and try to attract customers. And that's the same thing. And I think when people sometimes forget that when they create listings, that that's what the goal should be. What can I do to attract people to my listing? What can I do to you know, to rank higher because I provide content that uh, or information that is relevant to searches, you know, um, and, and that, that's, that's, I mean, I've seen when I did, um, when I sold uh, car parts, and we mostly sold branded car parts. Um, so meaning, you know, we, we are buying these parts from somebody who had a brand um, um, awareness out there. And so we always part numbers in our listings. And I would look and see how many people would not do that. And I go like, why would you not do that? Because People often search for by part number because they they did their own research on the internet. They looked, okay, I need part number X Y Z, and then they went to eBay and would put that number in there. And and, and you put that number in there, our listings were always a little higher for some of these brands because we did that. Now over time, other people caught on, but that was amazing in the beginning. How many people didn't do that? And that was a simple one, one thing, a part number. Sure, and it prevents things like people buying the wrong item and returning it as well because. If it's a complex thing like a car part or a computer part or something for you know a musical instrument or a hobby or something like that, you want to know the, the the bit that you're buying will fit what you've got. And the only way to guarantee that is to you know to, to cross-reference the, the 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 part numbers. So it just makes you know so much sense. And and eBay they provide all of the tools to put all of this information in, whether it's the item specifics your sizes, colors, your fitment data for uh, for cars. It's available for you to use. And yeah, we, we constantly see listings where it's just a headline, a badly written headline often, and a couple of lines of text and uh, a few hastily taken photographs. And you know, people wonder why their items don't sell. So when you go to the manufacturer and, and website today, and most of them, you know, you can go look up your car and, and, and see what, what it is and you go like okay this is what i need and so then when you look online obviously you can then search by the part number and you feel more comfortable that that is what you what you're getting is the right part because some descriptions or some you know fitments are difficult to describe and and um uh and, and anybody that dealt with chevy trucks will probably agree with me on that one because that was another one that was a big nightmare you know because there's so many variations you know and and it's you have to really pay attention and and yes it's frustrating when the customer doesn't do that and just buy something based on the basic description and then it doesn't fit 
but that's part of the business, unfortunately. And and in some situations where I knew we had um, some parts that were very finicky in far, as far as fitness is concerned, I would send the customer an email. It's like, okay, I want to make sure that what car or vehicle you have. And and uh, and if I would get a quick answer back, sometimes we actually got an answer back where it turned out like they were buying the wrong part, you know. So uh, you, there are sometimes ways on how to avoid that, um, you know, if if you can, you know, if you want to take the time to do it, and that then you get at least get good feedback from that as good customer service, making sure that the person gets the right item. Sure, and it saves you a, a ton of money in in returns and putting items back into stock, or perhaps not being able to put those items back into stock because the packaging's been destroyed, or um, you know, and customer care is a is a huge um, component of running a successful eBay business. And eBay sellers will tell you that um, your buyers on eBay can be difficult, but you know, if you're selling complex items, you know, sometimes you've got to go that extra mile um, to you know, give people the confidence you know, to buy off you. And again, that comes down to your um, item descriptions and your item specifics and your images and you're putting as much detail into your listings um, uh, as possible. One of the things we do at Fruition with our e-commerce clients in the car space is we have a search mechanism now where people can put in their, their registration number into the search and it will only display items that fit their car, which is incredibly useful and it you know, really you know, reduces the amount of returns um, sellers have to deal with. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I wish I had uh, something like that when I sold car parts because um, you know if people could put in the uh, in the US we call it a VIN number, vehicle identification number into uh, into a search and it would identify the car then specifically and say okay this is what fits. That would would have been awesome to have, you know. And I have seen some of that on some websites nowadays. So I've seen that, you know, by some larger uh, car accessory places, not on eBay, but on their own websites where they were put, putting that uh, in uh, to help consumers. But so I think that's basically what it boils down to today. You have two choices. You can try to avoid the errors or you can go what I call the Amazon way, which is if you don't like what you got, we'll take it back. We don't really ask many questions. And, and so that's obviously the other way to approach customer services. Like if you can just ship it out, if it's wrong, you eat it, you pay for the return shipping, you deal with it and you just move on. Um, that's, that's fine too, you know, but, but, but it's, I think really important to do something to reassure the customer that they're getting, uh, that they will not be disappointed and that they're getting the right item, you know, and, and, uh, and the more complex, like you said, the more complex it is, if you're a smaller seller where you have time, it might be worthwhile in that situation just to confirm if it's a if it's a part that is in a in a um, age range or or style or whatever range you want to call that might be difficult and may not fit certain certain um, um, vehicles that you confirm that hey what 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 is the customer buying this for? Sure. So eBay is the biggest uh, seller of your car spares and accessories in the world. I think I read the other day, they've got something like 110 million items listed with them at any one time. So there's obviously a lot of competition um, on, on the platform. Is there still room for, for new sellers to come in and be competitive in that space? I think there is. Mm. And, you know, 2008, when the um, economy tanked because of the financial crisis, we turned toward export. Um, there weren't really a lot of people willing to sell parts 
overseas yet. And so that really helped us for many, many years. That was actually some of our best years where we were just sending stuff. I think there was a couple of years where almost 50% of what we sold went overseas. <laughs> and that was on eBay, you know, and um, uh, because we were like, okay, we said we, we do it that way. And and the nice thing is it was already when free shipping became a big issue um, because of Amazon. So the nice thing there is you could add tax on actual shipping costs and, and and because you offered free shipping in the United States and say the part was 200 bucks um, and it normally costs, say, $10 to ship the item, you actually made the $10 for not shipping the item in the United States. Then you made the money for shipping overseas and you could tack on a couple extra bucks on that one because no one really knew what we were paying. And I had, and I had really good deals with FedEx. And so it was, uh, it was a way to actually, you know, eke out some extra profit um, by, you know, concentrating a little more on selling uh, items. And we would put things on eBay that maybe weren't really very popular cars in the U.S., but we knew were popular cars elsewhere, you know. And uh, people got kind of figured out what we were doing. I'm not saying we were the only ones doing it. I think, you know, it's it's infamous thing. People see what other people are doing, and then they do the same thing, you know. And, um, and then for us, you know, in 2017, we got to a point where, we we couldn't grow the company anymore, uh, and we actually had a you know some other internal things that 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 kind of uh, caught up with us that had nothing to do with the eBay side of it. It, it uh, and um, we had to kind of like say, okay, what are we going to do forward? And we just decided, well, uh, for us to change would require a huge amount of investment, and 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 that we just felt like we weren't sure what's really going to you know work for us at that time and so we decided to get out of that but having said that what i learned in 2017 what i wanted to do and is if we would have specialized at that time for example on a specific make like a volkswagen or a subaru or something like that and maybe even um a, a certain models within uh, uh, these uh, car brands i think that's where you can make money and i also believe that uh if we would have turned into um you know, being able to buy junk cars and then part them out and then sell that. That's a good way to make money. And and that was some of the ideas we were thinking about doing, but we were not set up. We were a warehouse operation. We were not a, you know, a shop. It just, it would, it would have been a completely different business. And, uh, and I think we kind of sort of like, maybe mentally we're all a little spent uh, at that time. And that's why we decided to, to leave eBay, but we didn't leave eBay because we, didn't like eBay. We just left the business because we were just kind of, I, I guess, maybe burned out. Another. That's business. I mean, sometimes business success is knowing when to leave that business as well. But it's interesting that you saw other opportunities um, in that space, but you just weren't geared up um, you know, to, to, to do that. So obviously, the, the motors industry is is changing you know, dramatically all over the world. You know, we've got the transition to electric vehicles, um, certainly in the UK and, and Europe, um, petrol and diesel vehicles are going to gradually be um, phased out. And I know a, a number of manufacturers are just stopping manufacturing them already. What was the situation like in America? Well, it's not the same kind of push as in Europe uh, at the moment. I mean, there's a push here to electrification because of car manufacturers seeing that as a future. Um, uh, but, you know, in, in Europe, I know the EU is, has a mandate that 2035, all cars must be electric. And, you know, and, and the one thing about that is, 
when you when you see that, you have to look at some realities. You know, everybody starts thinking, oh, by 35, we'll only have electric cars. No, that's not the case. You you are not replacing. It's not like in 2035, you'll replace every gasoline power car out there with an electric car. Um, here in the United States, uh, I looked up these numbers last night. There's two, about 250 million vehicles. And uh, currently, I think 1% of them are electric vehicles. And if they keep growing even the sales as they believe they're going to keep growing them, it, it, it might get to, what, 25% in the next 10 years, you know, of cars that will be electric. That's still a huge amount of gasoline or petrol cars on the road. And, and so they're not going away um, just because manufacturers are either forced to or through their own, you know, uh, green efforts uh, or sustainability efforts are going more toward electric. Uh, there was a study done not too long ago that uh, almost two-thirds of electric car owners are still concerned about range and worry about whether they're going to be able to make it to a charging station. Then there's the fact that it takes 30 minutes you know, to charge a car, and that's in the best term somewhere. Um, and so the idea that electric cars are going to take over the world and going to just replace gasoline cars is, I think, a lot of people, I think, think it's going to happen much quicker than, than the reality will be as the car manufacturers stop selling gasoline-powered cars or reduce the amount of uh, gasoline-powered cars they're selling as they get toward this whatever goal, whether it's a government goal or their own internal goals. Um, people are going to keep looking for the easy gasoline-powered cars. And we've already seen that in the last 20 years, the average car age is it's gone up significantly. It used to be here in the United States around nine years. Now it's well over 12 years. So, and, and I think over the next 10 years, that's even going to go higher because people are going to hold on to cars longer. Uh, right now, we're, they're holding on to cars longer because of the inflationary issues, you know, and, and supply chain issues. Um, but as we get closer to that, to people saying, I don't want an electric this or that, they're just going to buy a use something else. And that's going to provide a lot of opportunity in this business to continue uh, selling parts that are for gasoline power cars. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> I believe that's the reality. And, and, and that's just, you know, from a business point of view, if you're going to look for an opportunity, there it is. With people keeping the cars on the road for, for longer is, is, is Florida going to start resembling Cuba in a couple of years' time with lots of old vintage cars rolling around? Yeah, well, that's very possible. That's actually, I don't say it's going to look like Cuba with the 1950s cars, but, um, but it's, I think there's going to be a lot of um, definitely older cars around. Although I read somewhere the other day, and, and I found that very interesting, that Florida is one of the top selling states of electric cars. So go, maybe it's because we don't charge taxes on it. <laughs> I don't know. It's very, very, very strange. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strange environment. It's, it's interesting. Um, eBay in the UK recently revamped um, MTV's um, Pimp My Ride. Uh, I don't know if that's had any um, traction um, in, in the US, 
but um, you know, it's, it's obviously they're getting you know behind you know this this movement, and it's all part of their you know um, reuse, recycle, reappropriate um, campaign, which um, they're really getting into. Um, certainly here in, in, in the UK, are, are they making similar moves in in the US? eBay here in the US has been uh, advertising heavily doing NASCAR races on television, and that is an um, audience that is pretty much probably a lot of people there work on their own cars. And I think that's why they obviously went for that, you know, that, why that made sense. Um, I haven't seen them really involved in shows. I know they did something with the, something in New York um, a few months back uh, to kind of sort of highlight, you know, accessories and cars. But I think their focus here in the U.S. may be a little more on replacement car parts. Um, I think that's where the business really is at the moment. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's interesting with eBay, you know, you, you mentioned earlier that, um, eBay is, is considered one of the largest sellers globally of, of parts, but like according to SEMA, which is a, an industry association here that deals with aftermarket parts, eBay's, um, market share in the entire aftermarket business is 3%. Wow. So, so much of it is still sold at tire stores. Uh, so much is still sold at repair uh, shops. So much of it is still sold over the counter at these auto parts stores. You know, so that is the $50 billion market here in the U.S. is predominantly still a retail market, but it's shifting. I guess a lot of this comes back to you know the question of confidence again. You know, will this bit that I'm buying for my car fit it? And that's why they go into the shop and that's why they speak to the man behind the counter and um, you know, he'll tell you whether it works or not. And um, this comes back to, you know, how much effort people need to put into the into the eBay listings, you know, in terms of descriptions, in terms of you know, part numbers, in terms of imagery, in terms of video and, and all those great things. We've talked a lot about um, yeah, people needing to keep their cars on the road because of inflationary issues or supply chain issues or or whatever. But I guess there's also the question of enthusiasts as well, people who love fixing up old cars, you know, classic cars, specialist cars. And that's where the whole specialist thing comes in, I, I guess. Absolutely. And the historic uh, or the, the, the vintage car market is big and huge. I mean, we see that. I mean, here in the United States, we have uh, auto auctions that are live on cable television. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they're broadcasting these. I mean, you're not, you know, you're not bidding on the cars uh, from home, but uh, but you can actually watch what's being sold. Now, granted, these are the, the, the higher price stuff, but still, you you know, there's a great market there in the restoration market. And, and, um, and, and, and those are the areas where I, I know somebody, for example, um, that, it has a warehouse full of vintage Ferrari car parts. Now, he hasn't even sold. When I talked to him uh, earlier this year, he said uh, he hasn't even sold one on eBay. He hasn't even put one on eBay. He, he goes, I'm just still collecting them. It's, it's, I, I think it's his retirement fund. Mm. <laughs> so he has a little storage or has a storage unit of some kind. And just got vintage Ferrari car parts, you know, and, 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 and these type of things is what, what I think, if you are really a true enthusiast and and you want to do something unique, you're going to be looking for parts. 
that are unique, you know, and, and there's going to be people out there that have them. Sure. And I think a lot of that comes particularly on social media now. You know, if you're specializing in a, in a particular niche, you should be putting those videos out on, on YouTube and um, TikTok. You know, people tell me they don't get TikTok, but it's just a, a mechanism for, for telling stories. And if you're passionate about a particular kind of car or a particular model of car, you will have a tribe of people who will find you on these channels. Um, so it's just a case of getting creative and standing in front of your phone and, 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 and talking about things. Exactly. And even if you don't want to do TikTok, you can do it on Instagram. You can even do it on Facebook. You know, it's the, all these, these social media platforms today, uh, you know, with, with the video content, I mean, it, it's much more engaging. You know, it's, it, it's the part that people watch, you know, it's, it's, it's video makes a huge difference. So if you're thinking about starting out or you, uh, or you want to go down that path, I think you need to really look at what content can I create that is interesting. I mean, I can tell you like the other day I had a little problem with my car and I, I know that it required just a small fix. Um, so I, I looked online and, uh, uh, you know, what does it take and, you know, uh, to do this? And I was like, Oh, I think I can actually do this <laughs> and, 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 and found a YouTube video, you know, it, there's, there, there's so many YouTube videos and, and just you see these guys putting stuff out there and, and, and you see the, the view counts. And it's incredible. You know, go like, well, there's 20,000 people that look for this information on how to replace the battery in a, in a key fab or something. You know? So, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing. But, but if that's, you know, if you sell key fabs or whatever, then that's what you want to do. You put that out there on YouTube and, and, and put the right, you know, hashtags with it and, and, and then have links there to send you to your store. People seek out expert advice because, just because they own a product doesn't mean they know anything or everything about it. So they will seek out that expert advice. And if you can connect with them through a channel like YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Twitter or or whatever, it, it cannot fail but work for you. And um, you know, everyone has a TV studio in their in their mobile phones now. So the cost of doing it is, is negligible. Yeah, just a little bit of thought. Um, about the script, a little bit of thought, maybe about lighting. You know, you can you can do something very sophisticated with very little input. So, what advice would you offer somebody entering the market today? Obviously, specialize. You know, get out there on social media, promote yourself. You know, share advice, share share knowledge. What else? What else would you say to people? Well, you pretty much summed it all up. Right there. It's, it's the key oh. items. It's it's, it's, uh, it's uh, offer free advice, specialize. Don't don't try to compete with Amazon. Find something that you're interested in, but um, but find something. You know, if you, if you can come up with something in the car that you think is unique, I, I know this particular company that is part of the motorsport scene that I work with. They um they they started selling this this cup that holds your phone. <laughs> you know, basically just a cup, something you put in the cup holder that that, that holds your smartphone. But, uh, you know, I think some form of specialization, I think, is important. And, and, and telling a story around what you're selling um, is important. And you can tell a story on eBay. And, and, and you know, going back to eBay, it, it, they are providing more uh, opportunity to tell a story in, in an eBay store. You know, I call it reintroduced video. You know, they, they, used, they used to allow YouTube videos, then they took them away. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then they said, oh, look, we will now, we're bringing video to you. Those things like, well, yeah, you're reintroducing it, but, but, but whatever, you know, it's the, the, the fact is video is now possible. I uh, participated eBay Open Online here in the United States. Um, they demonstrated a live um, feed uh, beta that they're doing. It was phenomenal. It was like, it was great. It's a, something now that allows you to go live and show off your product live. You know, so it's kind of like the um, here we call the home shopping network. It's the social commerce side of it. So eBay is putting these pieces into play, and and I think that that also shows the market shift and what maybe where some sellers are just getting left behind. Um, they are not able to make the changes, and um, uh, or they are not willing to make the changes. Uh, uh, to do these things, and uh, and I think that's that's important. You know, right now I think a lot of the video stuff online is mostly about fashion items, but I think that I think that's going to change. I think a lot of the you know the, this live video, I think is going to be uh, be anything. It doesn't matter what the category is, and especially with something more complex like um, you know car accessories. So that's the other thing. Tell a story. Tell a story about what you're doing, why you're doing it, why you're selling it to show people that you know what you're talking about. Excellent. Richard, you've given us a whole heap of great advice today. How can people find you? Um, they can go to our website, uh, www.eseller365.com, and uh, they can kind of subscribe to our uh, email list if they wish. Uh, we only send out two emails a week where we don't bombard you every day. Uh, and actually, Dave does all the emails, tries to do funny things with them. And um, but it's it's a it's a way to kind of keep track of what's going on. And and uh, we have uh, because of my background with car parts and stuff, I have tried to find more things to talk about when it comes to car parts. It's gonna be probably something that at least in the short term we're gonna continue to focus on. You know, I know eBay considers car parts now a, a focus category, and so that's I know they're pushing it very hard. But along with that, I think there's an, uh, there's opportunity there, and and I think we will be bringing some news and information regarding that on our site, as well as other categories that are obviously um, trending, you know, such as sneakers and and clothing and et cetera, and so on and so forth. Awesome. Well, I'd like to say thank you for um, joining me today. Um, my name's John Hayes. You've been listening to the Fruition podcast. For more information about Fruition, check us out on www.fruition.com. You're listening to the Fruition podcast, the home of eBay, Amazon, and e-commerce design and optimization. For more information, visit fruition.com.